Uh, all right, good evening, Ms. Ramirez Roca. Um, so we're just gonna start by introducing ourselves to the audience. So uh, if you wanna go ahead and tell everybody uh, your name, what, what, you, uh, what you do, and just briefly talk about the field that you're in. Okay, sounds good. Well, my name is Pamela Ramirez Roca, and I have been a special education teacher in the elementary setting for 10 years. And I'm currently teaching in an adaptive curriculum classroom for children with moderate to severe disabilities, including, um, but not limited to, autism, hearing impairment, um, cerebral palsy, and Down syndrome. And I've been doing that for about 10 years. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, okay. And uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, my name is Bailey Merritt. I am a senior English major and history minor at Brunel University. Uh, and I would like to pursue a career in education. Um, oh, that's great. So, oh, thank you. Um, so I thought, why, uh, who better to hear from than somebody who has a storied experience in the field? Um, so just to, just to kick off the the conversation. I wanted to ask where you received your degree in the field from and what the specific uh, specific nature of the degree was. Okay, well, I've had a pretty, uh, as you mentioned, storied um, and long <laughs> um, evolution to this degree and this, this career, actually. I started actually at Brunel, like you, oh. um, back in 1995. And um, I was there for two years pursuing a degree in education. Um, actually, I had hoped to be a high school English teacher, kind of like you. Um, <laughs> and so I, um, I was at Brunel for a couple of years and decided to take a little break from um, education for a little while and pursued some other goals that I had. Um, and I came back to education a little bit later in life. Um, I actually ended up pursuing my education degree because I became a paraprofessional in a special education class um, oh. for kids with moderate to severe disabilities. And I just fell in love with it. And so I found out that the University of Georgia had a program for parapros that um, was completely paid for by the state. It was called the Spectrum Program. Mm -hmm. And so uh, essentially they offered me the opportunity to go to school while working full time and to student teach, in fact, in the position that I was already in. So it was really great. Um, oh. and I was able to, you know, to finish that up in 2009 and, and go ahead and start teaching right away. So it was fabulous. I graduated with a degree in special education um, from the University of Georgia. So I was, I was very excited to have that. That's amazing. Um, so what did you find most challenging about the courses you had to take for your degree? Hmm. Um, you know, actually for me, the teaching, you know, as far as the pedagogy and the content teaching, um, it really, that part, I, I was so in love with it that I didn't find that part to be very challenging. Other, of course, you know, I had a family and, you know, a lot of people will understand how challenging that is to to pursue full-time coursework, full-time job, full-time parenting. Um, <laughs> so for me, really, the most challenging part was just fitting it all in. Um, mm -hmm. I, I would say, though, that for me, um, I'm not a strong math person, unfortunately. And so I did find the math aspect to be a little bit challenging. But other than that, um, I think when you find the career that you love, it really doesn't feel so much like work. It feels like just a commitment that you're pursuing because mm. you desire so much to serve and to be in that role. Mm. That's amazing. Um, I definitely agree with you that like when you find your niche, it really doesn't feel like a job at all. Um, exactly. 
I hope that I can find a career like that. Um, okay, so what made you choose to become an educator, specifically in special education? So I, I kind of happened upon it. Um, I had initially thought that I would teach high school English because I, I just fell in love with literature and mm-hmm. with the idea of, of helping young people fall in love with it the way I had when I was in high school. Um, I had an incredible student teacher during my senior year of high school who just inspired me and mm-hmm. just really showed me all different kinds of ways of learning and approaching literature and just she loved it so much that I thought wow like this is inspiring I really want to be part of this um and so I I just kind of set out that way for now back in the mid 90s you know back when the dinosaurs roamed the earth (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) and so um you know I like I mentioned I took a little break from education to pursue some other goals um But I, I found my position as a parapro quite by accident, just kind of looking to work at the same school that my kids were at. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that would just be a nice thing and to have summers off. I mean, just really not a left turn that I was anticipating. Um, and I interviewed for the position and it was interesting because the lead teacher sat me down and asked me all these questions about what did I know about autism and what did I know mm-hmm. about Down syndrome and had I had any experience? And I said, you know, I have to be honest with you. I don't know anything about this at all. Oh my goodness. And I thought, yeah, that probably was the answer she was looking for. And I thought, yeah, this this job is not going to happen. And so I just sat back. I wanted to be honest. And so Of course. I just I just told the truth. I said, you know, I really don't have any experience, but I, I would love to learn. You know, I can be a very willing student and I'm I'm willing to do whatever's needed. And she said, you know what? You probably don't know this, but that is exactly the answer I was looking for. And I said, really? (laughs) You wanted somebody who just told you they don't know anything? And she said, because I can teach you how I want things to be. And I won't have to, you know, kind of start over with with how another teacher did things and, and, you know, start kind of changing the way you already think about things. And I thought, wow, okay. Well, slam dunk. That's great. And so she gave me the job. (laughs) and, uh, And I started in the classroom just completely bewildered by everything that I was learning. And, um, just kind of learned from her and, you know, saw how she structured her classroom and saw the, the, you know, little details about the students and learned about them and learned about their families and just how they learn and how they, you know, approach the world. And it just taught me a whole different way of seeing things. And so I just fell in love with it. I just fell in love with what I was seeing and what I was experiencing. And I just wanted to be part of it. And I thought, well, what's the next step? And the next step is teaching. So that's kind of how I ended up there. Wow. That sounds like quite a journey. It was. It still is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so as a pair, I, I know you uh, taught as a paraprofessional before you had your um, full on classroom. Is that right? That's correct. I was a parapro for a total of four years. Um, three of those years were in the classroom that I mentioned. And then um, I was lucky to have one year of education um, experience in a resource setting of resources more for children who just need a little bit more support in reading and math to be okay. successful in the general ed setting. Um, so I, I was able to, to try that out and see see how that worked. Cool. Um, so can you uh, tell me like what aspects of the job as a paraprofessional did you enjoy the most? Well, now that I've had so much um, experience with 
discussing, you know, having meetings with parents, a big part of the job of a special education teacher is meeting with parents to sort of establish the needs of the student and to see um, how we can basically just best tailor the educational experience to each student because their needs can be so unique in the setting that I work in. Um, I would say as a paraprofessional, one of the things I enjoyed the most was just really having more time to spend with students. It wasn't so much the administrative aspects that teachers have to deal with, such as, you know, IEP meetings and serving on committees and, you know, (laughs) writing lesson plans. I got to just hang out with kids and I love that part. I still love that part. Um, I would say the biggest reason that I got into teaching period at all was because I wanted to have an effect on children and help support their learning needs and just be part of that experience for them. Um, and I was able to do that as a paraprofessional, I think, as a bigger part of my day than, than maybe I always do as a teacher. Mm-hmm. That's sort of why I am interested in becoming an educator as well, because I just think that if I can have a profound impact on what a child understands of the world, then I'll feel like I've done a good job. Um, and you're definitely on the right track because kids... Kids definitely, you know, especially in the elementary setting, and I would say even in the secondary setting, um, mm-hmm. you know, they're really looking for role models and and just someone with a zest for learning and just someone really at the end of the day who just cares about them and is interested in them. Mm-hmm. Love is, 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 it sounds kind of cliche and hokey, but, but being genuinely interested in these kids and just being there for them and being available is such a big thing in a child's mm-hmm. life. The content will come, I feel. I think just, there's this saying, I think they say, you know, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And that couldn't be more true of children. Uh, you can have all the degrees in the world, but if you don't if you don't show that interest in them, I think mm-hmm. nothing else matters. I'm a little bit speechless. That was very profound. Um, (laughs) Well, I don't know about profound, but (laughs) thank you for that. I appreciate it. Of course. I think that's an excellent philosophy of education to have. Um, But um, on the the other side of that same coin, what challenges did you face as a paraprofessional? So, So in the same vein as, you know, teachers have all that responsibility, right, of, mm-hmm. of writing the lesson plans, of, of helping with assessment and, and performing assessments on students and kind of completing all those administrative tasks. Mm-hmm. But they also have the privilege of designing the instruction that's going to be delivered. And that's such a huge responsibility. Um, yeah. In the classroom that I teach now, you know, I have a student who is blind, but oh. I also have a student who can read at a fourth grade level and, and well, he's in fourth grade, but he can also, he has a lot of behavior and things that go along with his disability. It's just part of it. So it's really interesting to try to meet that challenge of, of creating instruction and delivery instruction that's going to benefit the wide, diverse range of, of skills and abilities and strengths and weaknesses that I have in my classroom each day. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say one of the bigger drawbacks of being a parapro is you really don't have much control over that part. You just kind yeah. of go in and you deliver whatever the classroom teacher has set out for you to do that day. And if you are wanting more than that, sometimes that can feel a little bit like your hands are tied. Mm -hmm. So of course the typical paraprofessional hasn't, you know, finished a degree in education and, and maybe isn't feeling that way. But I think it's, 
I guess there's no better way to say it than it feels like a little bit of a loss of control over how your day looks, maybe. Okay. I think that's what I would say. Yeah. Sorry, can you just one second? My audio is having some trouble. Oh, that's totally okay. I'm here. Okay, all right. I think I fixed it. Okay. These times now that we have all this done by virtual meeting. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Um, so moving on, I wanted to just sort of recap for the audience what we know so far. So as far as I understand it, the, the path to obtaining a career in special education involved getting that degree, um, having a teaching certification from the state, which I assume requires some extent of student teaching or shadowing experience. Um, That's correct. And then down the line, of course, you obtained an offer to work in a special ed classroom for, uh, for you know, having real hands-on application of the concepts that you learned during your education, which is obviously to say you had a career. <laughs> um, yes, ma'am. <laughs> so when you, when you became a teacher, um, could you give me an example of a time when you felt that you had really made an impact as, as a special education teacher, full, like full-fledged? Sure, sure. So I can I can give you a couple of good examples. But I, I would preface my whole story, and of course I'm going to have a story, um, right. <laughs> by saying that a large part of what I did was functional life skills. So children typically don't, it, it, I don't teach the general curriculum that every elementary student comes in and, and has delivered to them. I really am focusing more on life skills, practical applications of skills to, to real life, functional things that each child needs to be able to do to sustain any independence in the actual real life world. Um, one, one really challenging experience that I had was for a student who was in fifth grade at the time, <laughs> and he developed a seizure disorder during oh, his no. fifth grade year, and he happened to be in my classroom that year. I typically have kids um, anywhere between um, kindergarten and fifth grade, but if I get them in kindergarten, typically I have them till they go to middle school. Okay. And sometimes I even have them for longer than that because sometimes kids even repeat grades with me if it's needed. Okay. Just to allow them more time to mature. At any rate, um, this particular student um, developed this seizure disorder and he was in my class one day and he developed a seizure that wasn't stopping. I mean, he probably, oh he probably from the, from the time it started till the time he was taken from the school by paramedics was probably 15 or 20 minutes. Oh my um, gosh. It was, it was alarming to say the least. Um, I had never seen anything like it. Um, and so, you know, just maintaining calm in our classroom during that time, making sure the other students were taken care of, getting him the medical attention that he needed. Um, it was, it was, it was interesting. It was interesting. <laughs> um, you know, I was able to accompany him to the hospital that day. Um, and I, we weren't able to get in touch with his mother. So that for me was a very transformative moment that I felt just humbled. I guess, by mm -hmm. the, the awesome, and I don't mean awesome like, wow, like, like not like, hey, that's so cool. I mean awesome as in like just 
so widespread, just just incredible responsibility that I that I had for the students and, and how much their families were counting on me to notice every little thing and, and right. just be responsive to whatever need might present itself. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he turned out to be okay. Um, he just needed medication and he needed some further testing. So that worked out well. Um, but in that moment, I really felt like I was making a tremendous difference um, and not just educationally, but just in his general safety and well-being. Of course. Um, it, it just, when I was in school, it never occurred to me that, you know, somebody's life might hang in the balance. I wasn't in nursing school. So, <laughs> right. you know, I just didn't anticipate that level of just a, a global skill that I would need. And, you mm-hmm. know, being able to maintain that responsibility for these kids. Um, academically, you know, in, in a calmer sense, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, just every day, every little skill that kids could accomplish just made me feel like it was making a difference. Even things like just toilet training. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like I said earlier, I was teaching life skills, not fractions. Right. And yeah. so um, <laughs> it's just different. <laughs> it's just different. But it just felt like really important work to me. It still does. I see. Um, yeah, I... I have to say, I hadn't considered the uh, the life-altering implications that might, you know, happen when one becomes an educator. But things now, are not getting now, easier out there. Uh, yeah, you know, there's there's still a tremendous level, and even at the high school level, I would say I haven't had the privilege to teach at that level. I know that that's something mm-hmm. you're interested in. Yeah, um, just just the responsibility now of just general safety. You know, in the school building with all the challenges the kids are facing right now, the the incredible responsibility of teaching, you know, equity mm-hmm. and um, how to care for one another and just how to how to see and celebrate our differences, but also in a respectful way that says to other people, hey, I see you, you know, I right. respect your experience. And so mm-hmm. I think that's incredible that that's something that you're interested in doing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, I think it's incredible what you're doing. Um, and speaking of that, um, you first taught your own special education class in 2009, right? That's correct. I had my first my first class of my own in 2009. I started in August of 2009 after I graduated in May. Okay. Um, so what was that first year like for you? Was it a heavy adjustment from what you learned? Was it a little like so- what you expected? It, um, it was very different for me, actually, because, you know, as I mentioned, most of my experience prior to that as a paraprofessional was in a classroom with kids with um, more severe needs, um, moderate mm-hmm. to severe autism and some other things. So okay. my first classroom was um, structured for children with something that was called mild intellectual disability at the time. Um, okay. So it was very, very different. It was much more academically focused. You know, it mm-hmm. was much less life skills focused like I had been doing. So it was a big change, um, but it was it was not unwelcome, actually. I enjoyed it. I got to know the kids and their families, and I was with them, I would say, for four or five years. Wow. Um, before, I, before I transferred into the, the more um, intensive, we'll say, setting. <laughs> right. Um, so it's been that in my personal experience, I have volunteered with the Special Olympics um, a couple of times throughout my oh, that's education. Great. Oh, well, thank you. Well, let um, me know when you're so, up for that again. We'd love to have you. <laughs> I'll, I'll be sure to call you. Uh, <laughs> so in my experience, special education students, they do have the same capacity for success as students in non-sped classes. They just mm-hmm. seem to require like a differently structured curriculum and like class environment. So can you tell me about like 
how those structural alterations looked in your classroom? Like, how would you say they differed from like a gen ed class? Okay, so the biggest thing would be the student to teacher ratio. I currently I have a class of um, seven students, and I also <laughs> have myself and three para pros. So I'm really fortunate to have great staffing with highly okay. skilled paraprofessionals. So that's really wonderful. Um, so that that one-on-one attention is critically important, and it's a huge difference between the general education and the special education setting. Another thing is, since I'm teaching kids that are being served, you know, by speech therapists, by occupational therapists, by physical therapists, I have mm-hmm. lots of different professionals coming into my room to work with my students every day. Okay. Um, I have lots of different equipment. I have kids who use specialized equipment to move about the classroom. I have all sorts of different sorts of like augmented communication devices for students that don't have any ability to verbally speak. Um, We use iPads regularly, not that that isn't used in the general education setting, certainly now. Um, Right. Certainly in light of the enormous challenges we're facing due to, you know, the COVID-19 virus. Mm -hmm. So I I think the biggest difference that you would see is just that personal attention, um, Mm -hmm. the, the tremendous focus on living skills and being able to function independently, you know, in the community setting as well. Another thing that we do is we go out into the community to practice things like eating in restaurants or shopping at a store or going to the bank or using a menu, things that that we would take for granted that children are doing all the time, but that present a huge obstacle when you can't speak for yourself or when you can't hear or when you can't see. So I would say those kinds of things would be the most noticeable differences that you might, that you might see. Gotcha. Um, and then have you made any changes to your teaching environment over the years in order to better suit the unique needs of your students? Absolutely. Absolutely. So when I started out in 2009, Mm -hmm. you know, like I said, I had kids that were just needing a little bit more time and attention as far as learning how to read, learning Mm -hmm. how to, you know, maybe manage their own behavior a little bit differently um, over the years of course the needs of my students have changed and you know because of the nature of the disabilities that I serve the classroom mm-hmm. looks completely different now than when I started um, okay you know just as far as even equipment you know the number of students like now I have six or seven students as opposed to ten so the ratio has gone down um, okay. Certainly the way that I teach is completely different now because I'm not focusing so much on the academic skills either. Of course. Of course. Um, I mean, it, it makes sense when you think about it because like every student has such unique needs that of the classroom by necessity cannot stay the same. So right. it sounds like you're doing right by them, which is wonderful. I um, try. <laughs> I try. It's <laughs> a little different, but... Of course. It's such a pleasure to be able to make that difference. I I won't say I'm not tired, though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So do you have any advice for those who would want to become teachers of special education classes or just gen ed, anything like that? I do. I would say probably one of the best ways to prepare for this career is to volunteer. Um, Yeah. I, I think it's a wonderful thing when students can get into the community, and certainly teachers need all the help they can get. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's going to get a little easier, you know, as, as students transition back to in-class learning. Mm-hmm. Um, that hasn't been as much of an obstacle 
I would say for the special ed setting, just because our students really, really need the in-person services. So we've been a little quicker to transition back to that. But I would say right. just get as much exposure as you can. Um, you know, being able to, to maybe form some networking with some special education teachers in the area, just so you can be exposed to that. Mm-hmm. Um, really just getting a solid foundation and how to differentiate instruction and, and really focus in on how to adapt curriculum for students. I think it's something that's hard to get from a class. So much mm-hmm. interesting they're listening to a professor tell you about different learning theories and things like that. That's all great information. Like the philosophy is important. The ideas of different schools of thought about how education works, how people learn. I think that's so important, but I feel like another part that really needs to be addressed is to learn how to actually teach, you know, getting that hands-on experience, getting the student teaching and in a good supportive school system. Mm -hmm. I think that that's critically important to becoming a special ed teacher. Absolutely. Um, Okay. All right. Well, I think that is everything that I was just dying to know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm so glad we could talk today. Of course, me too. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to talk to me. Um, so I I would like to thank everyone for tuning in. Um, uh, Mr. Mirzroka, again, thank you so much for being here. Um, I really appreciate it. And I oh, hope I talk you. to you soon. Thanks. Sounds good. Take care, Miss Merritt. All right. Thank you. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.